0: Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting SPARKSWillFly as one word, APP to 77977. That's SPARKS Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc.
1: Just lift your hands one more time. Father, I just release healing to those that are battling this coronavirus right now in the name of Jesus. We release the ruach of heaven into your body right now in the name of Jesus. We release the wind of the Spirit just as God breathed life and breath into Adam. I pray that God would begin to breathe into you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to breathe in your airwaves, your bronchial tubes, your lungs in the name of Jesus. We break, we bind the effects of this virus right now. We bind the symptoms of this virus right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And the church said amen. Come on. Somebody. Hallelujah. I want to preach uh, from the subject, basically, of living in courage. I, I just, um, I want to share maybe, I don't, I want to share a couple of stories from my own life. Um, but I just know that this is the direction I'm supposed to go. And sometimes I have my thoughts more together then what I do this morning, I like to have really my thoughts together really good on a subject. They're kind of scattered because I've been in just so much stuff. I told Catherine last night, I think I'm in three different books and plus. So sometimes it gets all jumbled together. OK, but I'm going to do my best to communicate clearly. And I do believe that the Lord wants to go after something. I believe the Lord wants us to live a fear free life. How many believes that? and um and so i do believe that the church is going to do the exploits that god is looking for in these last days we're going to have to learn how to live out of courage friend would we all agree with that we will not live in the absence of a fearful society but i believe that god wants us to master that fear that comes to plague our lives how many would be honest and say that we all deal with this issue from time to time and so uh I, I, I want to, where's, I don't know what I did with my phone. Where's my phone at? Thank you. Um, I think that, how many knows that, I'm, I'm, do you find Matthew 24? I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 24. I want to read a parable out of Matthew chapter 25. I got a lot of verses I want to go through this morning. So, how many knows that the fear, fear really... <laughs> Psychologist say, says that our number one, one of the number one traits of human, what's made it, what made, what makes us overcome, is the fact that uh we have this, we have this just unrelentless ability to, to overcome and to to stay alive. And we have these things in our bodies that says fears this way or whatever it causes us to avoid fear and all of these things. But how many knows that fear really begins to attack us at a young age? You remember the movie that, um, and the thought that I'm really trying to come across is, is that, you remember in the movie, The Sandlot, we've watched The Sandlot about 18,000 times, okay, and so uh, we know where the, we know where the two cuss words are, so we can just bring the volume down, you know what I'm saying, Um, but anyhow, (laughs) you got to preach it holy, you know what I'm saying, so anyhow, in The Sandlot, how many knows that they love to play baseball, and they have really one good kid, and a bunch of mediocre kids, and there's th- just these little... I mean, just these neighborhood guys that they don't have a lot of money. They just got old dirt place that they go play. And every time one of them hits a home run, uh, uh, most of the time it's Benny hitting home runs, it goes over the fence. But they never go across the fence because there's something living over there called what? The beast. And if you remember the campout scene where the little kid, the Palador's kid begins, squints, begins to tell the story of how the beast, remember he was eating whole sides of beef, beef until he became this monstrous uh, animal that eats people and stuff like that. But at the end of the movie, we realize the beast is no more than a dog. And actually he becomes the mascot, come on somebody, of their team, Hercules. But how many of us live our entire lives not willing to cross the fence because we believe that beast is on the other side of the fence? Let me tell you this, what I found out, listen to this, that uh, psychologists and scientists revealed this, that 40% of what, most of what, it's above 40%, most of what you and I worry about never come to pass. And worry is interest paid on, on a future problem you think that exists. And so I believe that God really wants to go after this thing because I really want to get into two parables to show you that uh, Matthew 24 is held by people say of the things that are going to happen in the last days. We are in the last days and we've been in the last days since Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2 and began to preach that in the last days that our old men would dream dreams and our young men would prophesy. So we've been in the last days. The last days does not, is not the term that is coined from 1988 until this present time. We've been in the last days for a long time. Come on, somebody. But in the last days, we got we we know the backdrop of some things that's going to be happening. And there are some things that's going to happen on the earth. COVID-19 is not the last pandemic that we will see. Come on, somebody. We will see some hard times. But here's the thing. that the, the, the truth of the matter is, God says he is with us, and we are here to overcome them. Come on, somebody. We are not here to ride the pew and wait on the heaven helicopter called the rapture of the church we are here to invade society come on y'all and we are here to occupy till he comes that word occupy is a military term we're here to set up his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven now live in courage free and I thought about this I, I begin to talk this. I guess this is about a month ago in our conversation me and Stanton were going to and I was talking about the culture around us and I was talking about looking to music but here's a song how many ever heard Because of You by Kelly Clarkson? She re-sang it with uh, Reba McIntyre. But listen to this. <clears throat> because of you, I never stay too far, never stray too far from the sidewalks. Otherwise, I'm going to live my life just as safe as I can. I'm not going to venture out. I'm not going to be innovative. I'm not going to go out well beyond what I know to be safe. Because of you. Fear. Come on now. She released this song in 2005. It sold over, in 2006 I think it was, she sold over 2 million copies of this song. So how many knows this is striking a tune in a lot of people to download 2 million copies of this song? Because of you. She wrote the song when she was 16 years old and it became, it it was how she began to deal with the pain of her parents going through a divorce. And so the song is really about her father. Because of you, I will never stray too far from the sidewalk. Fear encamping our lives when we are children. Come on now. Because of you, I learned to play safe on the safe side so I don't get hurt. Because of you, I find it hard to trust not only me, but everyone around me. Because of you, I am afraid. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 24. Let's start in verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, I'm in the Passion Translation of the Bible. As Jesus was leaving the temple courts, His disciples came to Him and pointed out the beautiful aspects of the architecture. Of the temple structures. And Jesus turned to them and said, Take a good look at all these things, for I'm telling you, there will not be one stone left upon another. It will be leveled. Later, when they arrived at the Mount of Olives, his disciples came privately to where he was sitting and said, Tell us then, will these things happen? When will these things happen? And what supernatural signs should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? Jesus answered, at that time, deception will run rampant. Look at this. So beware that you are not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. Look at this. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen come on y'all, that's good news. This is not sad news. The kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdoms of our God. Come on now. Isaiah said that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established above the mountains of the earth. Come on somebody. They're going to flow unto that mountain and say, teach us your ways, Yahweh. Come on somebody. We are going to be the teachers. Come on somebody. This is the believers, the children of God that overcome fear and move in courage will stand in the mountain of the house of the Lord. And the other seven Mountains and teach them Yahweh's ways. My God, I'm about, man, Jesus, I'm about to take off. Y'all, that's good news. See, when I heard this when I was a little boy, I was not taught that I was very important. I was not taught that I could do anything. I was basically on the pew riding this thing out, holding on, hunkered down in fear, praying God have mercy on us on the earth. But that is not what I'm here to teach this morning. I'm here to tell you like Esther, you've been chosen for a time such as this. This is the greatest season you could be on the earth, friend. Come on, somebody. You have been anointed for a season such as this to do signs, wonders, and miracles in his name. You will cast out devils. In his name, you will heal the sick. In his name, you will take up harmful things. They will not harm you. You will drink poison and it will not kill you. That's Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. I'm not talking about Jim Jones stuff, but I am talking about the harmful things that the, earth, the world is trying to heap up on the church. We're going to walk through these things. Oh my God. Y'all, this is good news. Don't give in to your fears. Friend, let me tell you something. I'm not saying that COVID-19 is not real. I watched what it did to my own family. But I'm telling you, the media is the biggest false prophet in this nation. We got to pray that this Jezebel called the media will come down in this nation. Come on, somebody. The truth in the nation comes from the pulpit in America. Come on, friend. The word of God. Let man be alive, but God be true in this hour. Oh, my God. Man, I, I, I try to just. I try to be like Chris, you know, man, he's so soft and gentle. Man, and I just feel like, oh, the line just comes out. of. Listen to this. Man, I'm telling you, I'm quaking on the inside with this. God, help us right here. Lord, you will hear wars nearby and revolutions on every side. With more rumors of wars to come, don't panic or give in to your fears. For the breaking part of the world system is destined to happen but it won't be the end. It will only be the unfolding. We are not in the end, church. We are in the beginning. We are in the beginning leaving the church age into the kingdom age. We are leaving the gospel of salvation to the preaching of the kingdom. The gospel of salvation is about getting man saved, but the preaching of the kingdom is about getting the earth saved. Oh, my God. God, I feel heaven in this room. Mm, this is this is not the end. It is the it is, it will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other, and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be terrible earthquakes and seismic events of epic proportion. Horrible epidemics. And famine's in place, in place after place. This is how, look at this, I love the way Brian Simmons interprets this verse. This is how the first contractions of birth pains of the new age will begin. Romans 8 says the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. Come on, somebody. The earth is looking for stand up in the cool of the day with Yahweh and begin to rule again friend. This is the power you have. All right, You can expect to be persecuted. You think them trying to shut down the church in California is the beginning of what we're going to see? The days ahead we will preach against homosexuality and men will be arrested for telling the truth of the word of God. Come on, church. You can't expect the world to do nothing no different than what the world. They are under that system. That's who they're operating under the God of this age. The Bible says that in Ephesians. Listen to this. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all nations because of your love for me. That's why the nations of the earth rises up against this nation, because we were founded under Yahweh and we have the freedom of religion here to worship. My God, my God, you, I'm I'm gonna calm down. I'll get out of that lane. China can't stand the blessing of God upon this nation. They cannot stand the blessing of God upon this nation. Do you think China welcomes the free speech of the gospel? Friend, you better wake up. That's why the church is underground in China. But the church underground in China is making greater advancement than what you and I are in the open air freedom of religion in America. Come on, friend. We got to wake the church up in this nation. Look at this. Because you look, then many will stop following me and fall away. They'll betray one another and hate one another. And many lying prophets will arise, deceiving multitudes, leading them away from the path of truth. And there will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burn with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope to the end, and you will experience life and deliverance. Look at this. Yet through it all, look at this. What through all the hell? Through all the quaking and the shaking, through all the pandemics, he says this this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. After this, the end will come. This is where we're at, friend. We're about to show the earth. Come on, somebody. A demonstration of Yahweh that he ain't some mystical creature. He wasn't just a prophet. Come on, somebody. He's not in a tomb somewhere, but we're about to demonstrate that Yahweh is at the right hand. Come on. And you Yeshua's at the right hand of God making intercession for you and I and he has sent the Holy Spirit on the earth to empower the church. Oh my God. Let's go to Matthew 25. I feel like I'm prophesying more than preaching. Oh God. Folks, we gotta have courage. How many members in Braveheart William Wallace said, men don't follow titles. They follow courage. The earth is looking for the church in courage right now. The earth is looking for the church to rise up in courage. They don't follow what's on the name of your business card. They follow courage. They love to follow people that step out into the unknown. It's time we get rid of plan B and C and start working with plan A. If God don't come through, we're going to sink, baby. If God don't show up, we're going to lose everything. God, my He's looking for a church that don't have Plan B and C and D. That's the reason why Heidi sees the kingdom in Africa. They have nothing to fall back on. Y'all, I can't. I mean, I'm hollow. I'm trying to tell you, we're fixing to see the greatest wealth transfer that's ever happened in the history of the earth. When people, when the news media is telling you how the economy is shaking and all of this, let me tell you something. There's going to be men and women in the times when it looks like the greatest bear market they've ever seen. They're going to ride the bull, which is Yeshua, and plant where he told them to plant, and invest where he told them to plant. Come on, somebody, and they're going to make millions upon millions of dollars. People get upset about that. That's you, the church. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. I said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. It's time you stand up and get your portion. Come on, friend. Stand up and ask God, God, how do I get my portion? Show me what I need to do in this season. All right. Matthew 25, you ready? Look at verse 14. And again, heaven's kingdom realm is like the wealthy man who went on a long journey, summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over them. I got to tell you this. I got to stop right here when I talk about wealth. A lot of times we think that we're going to go out there to the mailbox and the check's going to come. I do believe in miracles like that, but that's not the way God teaches. God teaches the farming method in the Bible, sowing and reaping. Are you with me now? How many's heard that Psalms 126 quoted that those who went out bearing precious seed shall come again doubtless. The Bible says doubtless in the King James shall doubtless come again, rejoicing and weeping. What that is, is the farmer from the previous season, what he would do is he would have enough grain to feed his family, but he would also produce enough seed to sow. But in this season of Psalms 126, the farmer didn't have enough seed to eat and to sow. So what the farmer did is went about weeping, knowing that his belly he was gonna lay down hunger. But why would he have the faith to lay down in hunger? Come on, somebody. Because he He had known from generations before him, the farmers that had laid down the faith before him. My God, come on, somebody. That had shown him if he was willing to toil during the heat of the day, it would produce a harvest. Come on, somebody. And I'm telling you, in this season, what we may have to do is be willing to put a knife to our throat and not eat our own seed, but invest it in this season. These are the people that's going to walk in exponential growth growth and breakthrough in the days ahead. Those that can say no right now in this season. Those that can say, well, we don't need the trip this month. Let's plant here. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to help us. All right. But management over them but he left on his journey and he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants to another bag of 10,000 of 2,000 gold coins and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins each according to his ability to manage the, the one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money and he doubled down his investments In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investments. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who had entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000 saying, See, I've doubled your money. Look at the risk he was willing to take. This is how you spell faith, (laughs) R-I-S-K. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much and much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, see my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Come in and his servant, the master replied, You've done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been trusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and says, Look, sir, this view has got to shift out of the church. Right here. Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man. God is not a hard man to please. He is not a hard man. That is the God that religion has taught us about. This God that I'm preaching about is very near. Come on, friend. He is involved in the affairs of your life. Not only is he involved, he delights himself in the affairs of your life. See, the first two knew that even if they failed, come on, somebody, God was at the other side of their failure. The other guy was ate up with fear and saw God as a hard man and knew if he failed, he thought if he failed, God could never rescue him from that. I thank God that I serve a God that if I fall seven times, he allows me to get back up again. Come on, somebody. He's not only a God in my success, he's a God in my failures. Oh, my God. I feel the Holy Ghost inside this church this morning. He's looking for a people that are not afraid to fail. We are never going to bring change to society until we get until we say, I don't care if I fail. I don't care if I go down under the water. I'm just tired of riding in the boat of security. I know you're a hard man. Look, sir, I know that you're a hard man. A hard man to please. I know that you're a hard man to please. I've been reading my Bible every day. I pray twice a day. I fast two days a week, but I can't never seem to catch up. Let me give you news, friend. You're not hooked to Yeshua. You're hooked to religion. Fear shut this man down. When fear gripped his heart, he could no longer longer increase what God had given him. Can I tell you this morning, God expects you to increase what he's entrusted to you. If your business has three clients, he's expecting you to grow up to six clients. I said he is expecting increase. Why? He has deposited the Holy Ghost in you as a down payment. He is an earnest payment. Come on, somebody. He's the earnest payment of every time we feel him, every time he comes on us. It is a sign of the payment that's due at the end. Come on, somebody. Which is eternal life, living in the eternal kingdom with him. He's looking to bring increase of what you have. What keeps us on the sideline like the lazy man? Fear. Oh, what would they think if I just, what would they think if I go out and try to start a business? What would they think if I start a Bible study on my job? Fear. Because of you, fear, I never stray too far from the sidewalk. Because of you, fear, it's hard for me to trust myself and everyone around me. Because of you. I was afraid of you. I was afraid of you, God. I was afraid I couldn't live it good enough to preach. Maria Woodworth Eder. God showed up to her one day and wash, while she was washing dishes, and, washing dishes, and he said, "Why are you not in my harvest field?" She said, "Lord, I'm a woman and I don't know Your word." To her own testimony a flaming Bible appeared in front of her and when she looked at it God supernaturally downloaded the 66 books of the Bible to her he took away the excuse we don't have an excuse church I gotta, I gotta tell you this how many knows who Smith Wigglesworth greatest critic was you don't because history never remembers critics it only remembers courage and those that stepped out Whew. oh my god listen to this there was a very cautious man Who never laughed or played, he never risked, he never tried, he never sang or prayed. And when one and when he one day passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claimed he never really died. God is looking for a church that really wants to live in this season. Mark Twain says, courage is resistance to fear. Mastery of fear, not absence of fear. It is the mastery of fear. It is in the midst of a pandemic. You still rise and gather in his name. Come on, somebody. It's in the middle of when you're broke and you don't know if you're gonna be able to pay the rent, but you still write the check. Let me go back to this. How many members in this parable we just read Matthew 25? I just gotta I just gotta go because I didn't finish reading it all the way. He looked at the last man and said, You should have at least the one of the translations you should at least put my money in the bank where I should have gave it interest right if you studied that out what he said is you should at least took my money and put it in the offering plate when it come by come on somebody because it went in the offering plate, it would have come back to me, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying and running over. Can I talk to any tithers up in this room that believe the power of sowing and reaping? Jesus said in that parable, if you were to release that thousand I gave you into the offering plate at least, you didn't have to take it to Terry and invest it. But if you would have just put it in the offering plate, it would have come back to me, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying and running over. That's why we tithe. Come on somebody. We are breaking poverty off the life of our children, knowing that if we give oh my God it's in the fear of not knowing how I'm going to make it the Sunday that you were here that you saw me pray for Danny God told me that morning to write him a check for $1,000. I told God, I I battled the thing for an hour and a half because I told God I didn't have $1,000 to lose. That's exactly what I told him. How many of you don't give anything to God to lose it? (laughs) But here's the thing. I needed to know it was God, not John. Whatever I initiate, I I, I ain't got much faith on it. So I said, listen, we had a place now that I ain't got $1,000 to just throw I need to be sowing gave that and then I got the thing I got home started doing my own and I was thinking man that was the dumbest thing I I, I should I could have done number one first of all that that he does not need a thousand dollars he's living a whole lot higher than what I am how many knows that's not the principle you want to sow where it's growing you want to fish where it's already been drained come on somebody or do you want to fish where they some grown fish at that's the whole deal of Malachi 3. It's got to go up. Come on, somebody. you putting it up. The following Sunday, I came back into the church. Standing here, somebody put some money in my pocket and I said man that's a lot that's a lot of twenties right there. Got home there was my thousand dollars. God give it back to me in seven days. Come in the next Sunday somebody come up to me crying and weeping, said I've never done that in my life. I've never done nothing like this in my life but God told me I was to to sow a seed into your life. Open the check up it was a thousand dollars. God gave me thousand dollars back and he gave me a thousand dollars to keep sowing. Come on somebody. We need to get rid of fear off of our finances in the name of Jesus. Listen this, this, y'all right? Standing <laughs> the these times, you preach and then there's times you prophesy. This morning, I know I'm prophesying. <laughs> we ain't gotta live in fear. Yahweh's always with us, <laughs> and if God's with us, all things are possible come on somebody. And here's the thing I remember reading a book with Church Without Walls by Paula and Randy White when she said that they were on government cheese and she said I just fixed the last cheese sandwich for the kids and we don't have nothing else. Randy looked at her and he said I want you to go write a book right now on the failure of God because we'll be the first people in the history of the earth to ever pin down. We stepped out by faith but God let us down. Can I tell you he's the all time undisputed heavyweight champion. He's never lost one fight nor will he ever lose a battle Come on, friend, and victory's mine in this house this morning. I stand victorious in every situation, regardless of the doctor's report, regardless of the bank account. Come on, somebody, I stand victorious in Jesus' name. The Lord is my best friend, I'm, I'm in passion. Passion Translation, Psalms 23, you okay? I got four pages of note. I don't know if we're going to get there, but I feel good. You good? The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Oh, yes, I do. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the pathways of God's pleasure, leading me along in his footsteps of righteousness. One of the things in this text that the sheep in Israel would make pathways around the mountain. And one of the things they would do, they were notorious for making a pathway, following each other. But what they would do is they would go in circles like this. And every time they would take a step, it would lead them higher and higher to the mountain. Every time we're following God, guess what he's doing, friend? He's not decreasing your life. He's leading you higher and higher and higher in the realm of his presence. Listen to this. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear would never conquer me. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say it wasn't there. He didn't say he couldn't feel it nipping at his heels. He didn't say he could hear that voice saying, you're going down. See, I've heard that voice. I always thought that voice was fake. People tell me about fear come on them and they could feel it. You know what I'm saying? It causing the blood pressure to rise. I just looked and said, man, you're you a pansy. December the twenty-fourth, eleven fifty of last year, my phone rang and my niece was screaming out bloody murder on the end of that phone, saying that my brother-in-law's had a heart attack. Get here now! Not only had I just played that scene out on December the tenth, I think it was the sixth, when Chrissy called me at two a.m. in the morning. And I'm like, phone, you know how you, when you get that phone at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know people ain't calling, i will tell you about the pizza. I knocked the phone off the dresser and couldn't get to it soon enough, so I texted back and said, did you mean to call? Yes. You know this wasn't going to be good. So when I come home, we were staying down at the cabin for Christmas. I went to get back in the bed with Catherine. And after I laid down, it was what, what, what about four in the morning? I wet the entire bed like I'd urinated on myself, but it was coming and sweat out of my pores. What do you think that was? That voice. You are going down? You're gonna die. You're having a heart attack right now. You're about to die. Jumped up out of that bed, and Catherine said, "What's wrong?" I said, "I'm going downstairs." Santa Claus had done, came in our house and uh, all, both couches in the main floor was covered. I put uh, moved all the Santa Claus stuff in the floor and got on the couch. For 45 minutes, she laid over me and prayed in tongues over me to break that spirit of fear. I never seen my body do that. I'm, I'm just, I'm being just real vulnerable right here. But every three minutes, I would get up and urinate almost a half a gallon. I would never seen, my, I didn't even know my body could do that. What was happening? Fear. That was a lie. David said, in this deepest valley, fear will never conquer me. He didn't say it was not there. He didn't say God is my shepherd because he gets me out of every hard situation. He said the Lord is my shepherd because even in the toughest battles of life, he's with me. when we we got into hospital after after we had to leave my brother-in-law did not make it 49 years old I grabbed my family together and I said let me tell you this I said we might have lost my brother-in-law but we did not lose hope and we stand here with hope in this situation come on somebody the reason why I didn't lose hope is because Yahweh was still on the throne you know what I found to be true what catches me by surprise in life never catches him by surprise come on somebody And he never leads me into a battle that I don't have faith to come out the other side. Church, my God, listen, if I'm going to set up a fight for my children, you better believe I know they can whip them. And the fact that you engaged in the fight, come on, somebody, gives you the full assurance you know. It's like watching wrestling. My grandfather was a big wrestling fan. I go over there. If you went to his house on Saturday afternoon and wrestling used to come on one time a week Saturday afternoon, I mean, you couldn't even hardly say nothing because he was trying to figure out who was going to win the fight. And I finally told him, I said, Paul, listen here. They already know who's going to win the fight. He got fighting mad and told me to leave. He said, no, they don't, son. This is real. Well, how many knows that the fight was already arranged in the back before they went out and they knew who was going to win? Can I tell you, before the foundations of the earth, the fight was already arranged. And the winner's already been chosen. Come on, somebody. And that winner is you. That winner is you. That winner is you. Come on, somebody. He told Jehoshaphat, don't even get the warriors out. Don't even get the guns out in the closet. Don't even unload the tanks. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to God, friend. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God. David said, "In the valley of deepest darkness, fear would never conquer me. For you already have. Other words, I have positioned you at the center of my life, Yahweh. You are the you are the anchor of my soul. Fear cannot conquer me. You remain close to me, and you lead me through all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love." Takes away my fear. Why does fear leave us, friend? Because we are walking in His love for us. Oh my God. Oh, how He loves us, church. And that revelation of His love solidifies my heart. And fear has no way. Man, man, man. Can y'all give me 10 more minutes? oh man we good we, this plane's flying quick we on the jet this morning I thought we was on that little crop duster <laughs> let me say this listen to this right here find First John chapter 4 verse 16 I got to show you this Allie Mike you okay you had two weeks off you've been in the Caribbean too so you just hold on <laughs> listen to this See, when we get a picture of God's love, we'll go to the Caribbean too. Come on now. Listen off to tell you. Why, do, why does God want fear out of our hearts? Listen to me. It is impossible to stay close to a God of love. It is impossible to stay close to a God of furious love when I am bound by fear. Because that furious love is driving that away from him. He's not driving you away from him, but he's driving that fear away from him. Proximity to Yahweh is a heart that has been conquered by love. Living life in the outer tabernacle is a life inflamed by fear. Look at this. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to us full expression in us so that we may fiercely face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Now, Jesus is not broken. Jesus is not some humble servant. Jesus is fully glorified and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. As He is, so are you. Fully forgiven, fully glorified, fully restored, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Pen that right there alone will get you some hate mail. Look at this. Love never brings fear. For fear is always related to punishment. God's going to get you. God's going to get you. You're suffering from COVID because of your weak relationship with God. Lie. Lie. You've got cancer because God's trying to teach your family something. Lie. You are suffering hardship in your finances because of some unrepented sin in your life. Lie. How can you, God help us, Jesus? How can you pay for something that's already been paid for? If I buy your meal, you can't pay for it because I took care of it. Jesus didn't die for you. He died to ask you. Fear has to do with torment. God's going to get me. But perfect love casts out all fear. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love of God. Listen, to this researchers have found that 40% of the things we worry about never happen. Never happen. The what ifs. Our minds are filled with what if. What if I have a heart attack? Wife don't come home on time. What if she's out running around? We never have the thoughts, what if Ed McMahon's pulling up here with the publisher's clearing house today? We never have. What if my business is about to reach the greatest kingdom connection in the history of my life that will change my family for generations to come? 40% of the things we worry about never happen. They never happen. And 30% are in the past and we can't do nothing about it come on somebody Paul the, the great apostle who wrote 13 books of the New Testament said this one thing have I comprehended that is to let go of the past and reach for the high mark of God in Christ Jesus some of us need to let go of the failures we've had in the past and say you know what I made dumb decisions financially I can't do nothing to change that but you know what today is the day of salvation today is a new day in God his mercies is new every day and today I can start making better choices that will change my family's history Another 12% of our worry involves the affairs of others and not even our own business. You sitting over there worrying about what's going on in Terry's house, it ain't none of our business. Listen now. 10% 10% worry about what we worry about relates to sickness, real or imagined. That leaves only 8%, listen to this, only 8% of the things we worry about that are even likely to happen. Let me tell you this revelation I got. Jess Rents, helped me get this. We, we We are up in West Virginia, yeah, that's where I was at, right? West Virginia. And I was with my son, my oldest son, Grant. My, son, my only son, Grant. <laughs> I'm playing. I was with Grant, Danny, and Jess. Well, those that have been, Danny can get lengthy in conversation. Well, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, we got to get going. We got to get going. We got to leave because I knew that the thunderstorms were going to be bad the later in the afternoon. So man, sure enough, we get back to the airport and the pilot's waiting on us. We get in the plane and at first, you know, going up, he wasn't concerned about nothing. Matter of fact, he come back there and sat down with us for a few minutes and I didn't like that with nobody up in the front. At least, I mean, I know there ain't nobody passing by, but at least get up there. Now Grant, he got to ride in the cockpit. He's like, Daddy, this, I don't want he come home, he's going to be a pilot. So going back, I don't—I I could see, I mean, the screen, the, the little thing for the weather's about this wide. And in my chair, I'm facing that way. And I'm, I'm looking, and now, I mean, he's fiddling with this thing left and right. We got about 25,000 feet, and I look out, and I mean, there's thunderheads hanging everywhere. So Jesse looked at me and kind of chuckled. He said, if I'd have known you had a fear of flying, he said, I'd have brought you a little something. He's a dentist; he can give you a little something, you know. I mean, I say no to drugs, but at this point, I mean, I, I welcome it, you know what I'm saying? Y'all right, I'm just playing for those that don't live stream. listen what he said I said man I said I I can tell you this I said what makes me nervous is my life is in his hands and I pointed at the pilot he said your life has never been in his hands he said your life is in his hands and then you know what it just had a peace just come over me you know what my life is not in this pilot's hands my life is in Yahweh's hands come on somebody And here's the thing, you would have to fly for 19,000 years for every day to be the likely of dying in a plane crash. It is the most safest way of travel. And you know what? I looked at that big thunderhead, and I watched him climb another 3,000 feet, bankers to the left, and within one hour, we were sitting down on the ground from Virginia and Tifton, Georgia. And the storm was so bad in Tifton, Grant had the headset on. He was flying in the cockpit with him. The man in Atlanta said, don't land in Tifton. There's a bad thunderstorm in Tifton. Take it to Valdosta and set it down. He said he'd come back on there and said, we'll be landing in Tifton in five minutes. Set it right down. You wouldn't have spilt your coffee. Our life is in his hands. All right. Worry is a low-grade fear. It is interest paid on a trouble before it comes due. Stop worrying. All right. I'm, I'm trying. I know I preached a long time. I can't preach for three hours, but I'm to be done, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to be landing in Tifton in five minutes. We're landing in Sparks. All right. I wrote this. God is looking for a warrior, not a worrier. I said, God is looking for a warrior, not a worrier. Let me give you four things right quick, okay? Here's my four points. I've set it up like Perry to give four points. Stand you hot. Right. All right, Matthew 28. You got to read this with me. You got to stay. I want you to read this out of the Bible where you can see it. Matthew 28. Verse 18, then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. All the authority. Do you understand? I said your life is in his hands. He has all authority. He's got the final say-so in the matter. I watched the clip. What got me on the plane there? I watched the clip of Rick and them. Man, it was storming up a thing, and they was fit to get on this little small jet or whatever. They took off in the air, and they landed. People picked them up. And he looked, and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, I got too much destiny over my life to live in fear. Church, I want to tell you, we got too much destiny over our life to entertain any fear. Jensen Franklin, when he first took the job out, when he first took over that church in Orange County. They were preaching Gainesville. They had been on a 21-day fast. He was headed out to, he got on the jet with his wife, two of his children, some of his church staff, they were headed to Orange County. They had been on a 21-day fast, just broke it. He was eating eating a meal. All of a sudden, the, the, the cabin just got real hot, got real hot. One of the pilots come out, and he said, get the mask, the overhead mask on your family right now. Jesus said, Sheree was panicking. Children, I mean, it was, it was, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, Jesus said, listen to him. He said, somebody pass me to catch up right now. In Jesus' name. He said, if I'm, this is my last day on the earth, I'm not leaving hungry. I'm about to eat before we go down. He said, when the plane hit the ground, finally is when he realized when the fire trucks and everything was coming to that to that aircraft is when he realized how serious it was. Now, listen here. All was good. They called out there. Listen, we'll do it next week, okay? But here's the thing. When he got out of that pulpit on Sunday after preaching the gospel, then he goes out there to that airport. What do you think was nipping on his heels and what kind of voice was coming on his neck when he was when his family was climbing the steps getting in that airplane? Come on, somebody. It is in that moment. Friend, listen to me. We have got to face this stuff head on. You cannot... When you go battle fear, it ain't no time to be Tiny Tim tipping through the tulips. You got to look it in the eye and say, if God before me, then who in the world could be against me? Come on, somebody. He climbed up on that plane, said, let me tell you something. We're here to obey the call of God on our lives. God didn't give us Orange County, California to die in no plane crash. He expects us to accomplish the vision, and our life is in his hands. And if he's with us, then my God, we are safe. Catherine, I know I'm hollering it, but I feel it. This this all authority's been given to him. The doctor don't have the authority. That report ain't carrying the authority. I said, that report ain't carrying the authority. You heard us talk about Rick. Come on, somebody. It was me and Junior that met them at 5 a.m. in Tifton. I looked at Junior and said, if God don't come through, we'll preach his funeral. Thank God Rick had more faith than I did at that moment. Come on, somebody. He refused for that to be the final answer over his life. If I was at the largest church, they'd be beating that pulpit down to him. The minute in the floor, and you'd know it wouldn't it, Terry? I refuse. All right. Yesterday morning, my my wife's family's been at my house. Some uh, little nieces in our house, and we were watching the Secret Life of Pets too. But you know what? After I've been in, in this, really, I've been in this for a year right now. What I'm preaching this morning. But I was watching that and I told Catherine, I said, the secret life of pets too, that's how most of the church live their life. They live with the cone around their head to scratch every inch of fear and afraid of everything in life. But at the end, after Max went out to the countryside, come on somebody, and he met the old dog that's been through some things. That's why you need an old dog to help you fight something. The old dog's done seen some things. The old dogs done seen the wolf come at the nighttime. Come on, somebody. The old dogs done seen the fox jump out. They know. Come on, somebody. The old dogs done been through some things. After Max gets that, when he returns back to the city, he says, you know what? Life changes. Look at your neighbor and say, Life's gonna change. It ain't always gonna be this pretty. Life changes. Life throws you curveballs, it throws you, it throws you all kind of hurdles. But when you approach life, knowing that Yahweh's with you, come on, somebody, and that your life is in his hands, no matter what kind of comes at your length, it didn't catch him by surprise, and God is more making you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. All right. I'm almost done. I ain't even made it past the first place. All authority been given me. Now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. Look at this. Why is Jesus telling them that all authority has been given them? Because he's telling them to do something he himself has not done. He's now sending them into all the world. He didn't go into all the world. I mean, all he did was cross the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is like a lake, okay? I mean, all he did was push off one side to the hour. You can get there. I forget the exact time, but it ain't long. Now he's telling them to get in all the world. He's asking them to do what he himself has not done. He's fit to send them out. He done told them, I'm sending you out as, as a sheep in the midst of wolves. I mean, who would like to? I, I want to send you on your first evangelism trip. But know this, I, and I'm sending you out as a little sheep, and you're going to be in the midst of wolves. How many going to look by and say, Pastor, thank you so much? Now he's telling them what, what's going to, what is going to guard their heart in this season, knowing that all authority has been given to him. when the devil showed up in the garden Jesus snickered and said he said listen he said no authority could be given to you unless it be granted by my father the enemy has no way to touch you come on come on you couldn't do nothing unless it had been granted to you by my Father because my life is sealed up into Him. Come on, somebody. Goodness and mercy followed me every day of day of my life. Come on, somebody. The armor of God's on my front side, and the glory of God is my rear guard. You can't do nothing unless it had been granted. Even when he attacked Job, he had to ask for permission. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God. Listen to this. Now, look what it says. And never forget. Don't you ever forget. And never forget that I am with you every day. Don't you forget it. I'm with you every day. You know the reason why I'm going to be successful in the morning? Because God's with me. When Terry gets in that car to go do business, he ain't going there hoping and praying something might could happen. Maybe one day somebody, God could do something. Maybe if I just had some favor, he pulls up there. Come on, somebody gets out in the suit knowing he's already been granted favor, knowing that God's with him. And if Yahweh be with him, come on, somebody. He can't help but be a be success. Pull this up. This is the only scripture I couldn't get right here. Give me Deuteronomy chapter 32. 33. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 33. Verse 26. Give me this. Here's just something right here to stand on. Number one, all authority has been given to God. Number two, God is with you every day. Now, look at this. Deuteronomy Chapter 33. Chapter 33. Chapter 33. Oh, we call those things an odd, though they are right there. Look at there. See there? Power of the prophetic. There is no one like God. This is Moses at the end of the journey. He's leaving them with the farewell. And he's reminding them who just who's with them. He said, There is no one like God who rides the heavens to help you. And his ex- his and, and his excellency on the clouds. Let me just stop right here. See, how many knows God is always with us in the high times? Whew. Man, when the bank account's rolling, we eating steak. Come on now. How I mean, the bills is paid. We got a little extra. Steve said he ate steak last night. Oh, he's living in the blessing. Come on. But I got to know that God's not only with me rolling high. I got to know he can be with me when I'm rolling low. Because after 20-some years with God, I've rolled, rolled low a few times. Look at verse 27. And the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Let me tell you this. When you hit rock bottom, his arms are still underneath you. Most people are afraid of failure. They won't step out because what if they fall? Guess what? When you fall and hit rock bottom, In bankruptcy, his arms are underneath. In divorce, his arms are underneath. In death, his arms are underneath. Come on, somebody. Ain't you glad that God's arms are underneath you no matter if you're on the highs to highs or in the lowest of lows? Come on, friend. We cannot fail. Romans 12, verse 3. Let's look at this. Can you pull that up, guys? Help me right here. Romans 12, 3. If you can't, don't worry about it. I got it. He got it. He got up. Listen. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Look at your neighbor and say I got the faith to make it. You had the faith for whatever ever showed up. We got the faith to make it. God ain't sending me without no faith. He's already deposited faith in me. Now, let me tell you a little something about faith. I got a book called What Is Faith by Kenneth Hagin. Faith is current. Faith ain't never in the future. It ain't never in the past. It's current. Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is. Now, now, now faith is. Hope is always in the future. Maybe something's going to come in your lane. You ain't going to get nothing by that. Now faith is. Faith is right now. And God has given every one of us a measure of faith. The season that you're in right now, you you have the faith to make it. Not only do you have the faith to make it. Let me preach it correct. You got the faith to strive, to thrive and the, and the faith to increase. I'm almost done right here. I'm going to preach this quick right here. You got to get this. I got this this week. Romans chapter 8. Go there. We quote this verse right here. I'm fitting to show you something right here. It, Lord, mercy, We're going to have to take up three offerings for all this. Romans 8, verse 28. You know you quoted this, and I have too. Look at this. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design and purpose. The King James says like this. Everything works to the good. All things work for the good. Look at your neighbor and say all things. All things work together for the good. All things. All things work together for my good. I said all things. Whatever the doctor brought in my room is going to work to my good. Whatever, the banker just called, told me it's going to work to my good. Come on, somebody. Joseph couldn't tell anything was working to his good when he has been stripped of his coat, sold as a slave. Come on, how many know he told his brothers at the end what you meant for evil? God turned around for my good. Come on. God is about to flip some scripts on some things up in here. All things work together for the good of them that love God. Now, how can you quote that so confidently? How How can Paul say all things are working good? How can he quote that just, I mean, just lay that as a matter of fact. All things are going to work together for the good of them that love you. Pull up verse 26. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. God, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Oh, Lord God, I mean, this this news has done knocked me down to the ground. You know what's fixing to happen? The Holy Spirit's fixing to grab hold of you. I'm preaching something up in here. Listen, stay with me. I know i have preach a long time, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to deposit the last little bit. Okay, I'm trying to, to give you the dessert on the plate. The Holy Spirit reaches down in your frailty in that moment. He causes you to stand up regal in confidence in faith. Come on, someone, Now look at what he's going to say. We don't know what to pray about. I'm so weak, I, don't, I can't even pray nothing else, God. I done prayed everything I know to pray. The Holy Spirit says, that's all right. Listen here, I'm about to take over, and I'm fixing to pray something that you don't even understand. I'm fixing to go by your understanding, get direct communication with the Father. Come on, somebody. And he's about to start praying for you. How in the world are you? It's one thing when I'm praying for you. What I'm trying to tell you, all things are working together for good because the Holy Ghost is constantly interceding on your behalf. Pull up Verse 34. Verse 34. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how can he possibly condemn us since he is what? What? Oh, won't you pray for me, Pastor? Let me tell you who's praying for you right now. Let me tell you the greatest prayer chain that ever hit the face of the face of the earth is the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And Jesus is continually praying for you. He said, Come on, I am rise up in faith. Bring increase to what I've been given to you. I'm done right here. Listen to this. In every dream journey, there comes a moment when you have to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Whew. I was worried about my kids one time. Steve come, he come out there to the house. He said, I need you, you and Catholic, get out there to the cabin. He gave me the lessons of life. He said, let me tell you something. You can't determine, you don't, you ain't no telling what all your kids gonna do. I hope they're gonna be God chasers and read the Bible all day's life. But what I wanna tell you, regardless of what you go through, God's gonna be on the other side knows you just need people—an old dog that's been through some life. Say, listen here, your kids may go astray, man. That's the realities of life. Come on, we—none of us know what we're gonna face. But what I am gonna come to tell you is this: that I've been through there. I've seen—I've seen the worst that can happen, and I'm here to tell you, God's gonna be standing with you on the other side. Chrissy, maybe I, I, I'm gonna. Can I tell this story about just the truck? That's all I want to tell. Chrissy, probably one of the most powerful times I felt the Lord, besides being by myself, was when when Chrissy came by to meet with me one one day this year. And those of you know that we lost Ricky in December. Well, they had a little thing going about whatever with her new job, what she was gonna do, this bonus that she was gonna get. And Ricky said, you probably going to get this amount of money. And he's like, shoot, man, I ain't getting nowhere near that. I'll probably get this amount. But See, we're not going to be a church with that mentality anymore, are we? Y'all, if we're going to build ballparks in this town, if we're going to build businesses in this town, come on, somebody. If we're going to bring change, then we're gonna, we can't be grasshoppers up in this room. And you can't live, you can't worry about what people gonna say about us. Because I promise you, once you start making leeway, you can bet you this the, the town ain't gonna to talk about you, the Christian gonna talk about you. One of the things was if you knew Ricky, Ricky always cut up about a dodge. He loved to dodge. I always told Ricky that dodge in the dictionary means to avoid. After I rode with Steve, I'm like, man, you know what? The only thing that's lacking for me driving that Longhorn is provision. (laughs) So one of the things that she was afraid of is what she was afraid to lose. She had already lost Ricky. She was afraid to lose that truck because how in the world is she going to take care of these children now? And how is she going to keep this truck? But see when Chrissy couldn't pray for herself and when I forgot to pray for her the Holy Ghost was burning the roller decks Jesus was continually in her seat. and when Chrissy got the bonus check not only did it buy the groceries not only did it give the pastor a nice offering come on I'm telling the truth honey, I'm going to lay it all out there but not only that she didn't write just a truck payment she wrote one payment to pay the truck off come on somebody don't tell me God ain't for us friend I passed her Friday and I texted her. I said, Girl, you better slow that thing down. Ricky don't want you driving that dodge like that. She said, Pastor, they drive a little faster when they paid for. It. Come on, somebody. That's the goodness of God. That voice of fear that she heard you going down, you ain't gonna provide for these kids. Let me tell you something. She ain't getting by. She's striving, friend. That's the goodness of our God. Oh my god. Listen to this. In every dream journey, there comes a moment when you have to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. You have to go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. I'm done. At the end of our lives, our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained opportunities we left on the table, the God-given passions we didn't pursue, and the God-sized dreams we didn't go after because we let fear dictate our decisions. I'm telling you right now, I am pastoring a church in Sparks, Georgia that is fearless, that is full of courage, that will defy the odds. Come on, somebody. That will demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That will move in signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on, somebody. That will lead the way in innovation, in kingdom expression. Come on, somebody. I am pastoring a church in Sparks, Georgia where entrepreneurs will thrive in innovation and vision, and we will be a church that is fearless in the face of adversity, we will lead and not follow. We'll be the head and not the tail. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe it, give God the greatest praise you got.
0: Pastor lost his voice. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's celebrate Jesus. God, we seal what was said in this place this morning, Lord, and we declare that you are a healer. We declare that you are a provider. God, just as apostles already said, we are the head, and we are not the tail. We are above, and not beneath. We are the lender, and not the bar. Anything that rises itself, God, against the knowledge of God is coming down. Come on, let's agree right now. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for transactions happening behalf of the kingdom. God, I thank you for new business deals. I thank you for children being healed. I thank you for a fresh wave of love and adoption hitting our city, hitting our region. God, I thank you for men in our pulpits that are going to raise with the unction of the fire and of the Holy Ghost of God. I thank you for worship leaders that are following the cloud. I thank you for the kingdom of God coming on to the earth and the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdoms of our God and of our Christ. I thank you for the glory of the Lord that's going to cover the earth. It's going to cover sports. It's going to cover Adele. It's covering Valdosta. It's covering Tifton in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on one more time if you believe our God is the God of breakthrough. Give your great God a great hand clap of praise in the mighty name of Jesus. You are dismissed. Tune into the live stream on Wednesday. We love you guys. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.